This week on episode 517 of Priority One, the virtual becomes reality on the set of Discovery Season 4. Meanwhile, the disco captains reflect on their past and future in the center seat on the bridge. In gaming news, Pavo is under attack on the ground and orbit in the third event campaign installment in Star Trek Online. Later, Dr. Robert Hurt shares the importance of the Hubble telescope's return. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 517 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, July 20th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, July 23rd, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Guys, I can't wait to talk about Loki. Yeah. <laughs> that took no time at all. I know. I'm like, I feel like we should drink. <laughs> Not on this yeah. show, but we're going to save it for after hours. At least a lot of the conversation. Because gee willikers, was that a good season. But Thoroughly enjoyed it. But I kid. Anyway, we, we are, in fact, a Star Trek show. So we'll talk about Star Trek. Thank you guys for holding down the fort while I was away last week. It, sounded, it, was, it was a great episode. And uh, thanks again. Absolute pleasure. No Kat worries. did most of the work. And uh, I was happy to diagnose you with the Levodian flu instead of the Pac-Led flu. Because the Pac-Led well, flu you makes you feel bad. It, Roscoe, you kept Levodian changing flu only lasts for 29 hours. So you're fine. I see. I see. Well, thank <laughs> you. Well. I'm just reading the tro- swell up? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a cold the Cardassians give you. Um. And as well as welcoming you back, Elio, we want to welcome new listeners to the show. And we hope you'll stay in touch. You see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and talents because, like you, they are passionate about what Star Trek is all about. Captains, are you fast-forwarding this introduction each and every week? Are you? Because if you are, you shouldn't. And you should seriously consider joining our production staff. We are in need of audio editors. We're in desperate need of somebody who is handy around social media that can help us continue to build our community and engage each and every week with various games and community questions and help us continue to maintain the connection that we've had for the last 10 years. We each have our responsibilities as volunteers, whether it's being an executive producer, an audio editor, and as volunteers, we're donating our time, which means that the more people we add to our crew, the easier it becomes to get tasks done. As they say, many hands make light work. So consider joining the team and lending your time and talents to producing this show. Just visit us at PriorityOnePodcast.com 
And up at the very top, there's a join the team button and a handy form that you can use to express your interest. Or if you find value in this podcast, consider supporting us financially by joining our Patreon family. Speaking of patrons, we'd like to welcome our latest supporter, Bertolf. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. When that other star franchise debuted their own serialized live-action television series on Disney+, critics not only raved about its story, but also about its cinematography. The Mandalorian, which started streaming in 2019, showcased a new style of filmmaking that was absolutely breathtaking. You see, instead of having to find locations where to shoot, the production used a 360-degree LED wall to project in real time all the landscapes and effects needed for that scene. The end result, a creative and astonishing backdrop that really helped build that world. Now, everyone wants in. Not only does this technology save the time and resources it takes to shoot on location, but combined with the Unreal Engine, you know, the video game creator Unreal Engine, actors can actually see and react to visual effects environments in real time. So now, we can visit strange new worlds with much more ease, as Noah Kadner explains in his article for American Cinematographer. According to Kadner, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 and the first season of Strange New Worlds have been filming using a 270-degree horseshoe-shaped LED wall by a company called Pixomondo, which can be fed real-time animations using Unreal Engine. Star Trek's lead visual effects supervisor, Jason Zimmerman, told Kadner, quote, getting something in camera on the day is so much better than green screen in many ways. One major difference in terms of workflow is that the production design and art departments are a lot more involved much earlier in the process because they have to get assets ready to be photographed instead of waiting until after the shoot, end quote. But the away teams from Strange New Worlds will be beaming down to realistic landscapes. The New Mexico Film Office announced this week the television series is using New Mexico landscapes for the show's visual effects. That's cool. I mean, if, if you watch The Mandalorian, you know, it's seamless. It's amazing how much they were able to world build. And I don't know if Loki used the same technology, but it's it's definitely a growing trend. I mean, the article talks about even Station 19, which is a, I think it's a Shonda Rhimes show on ABC, uh, is starting to use the same technology or at least a form of it as well. But not only is it cool, is the technology just cool? And the fact that as an actor, I can only imagine how much easier it is to play off of an actual monster being projected on a wall versus having to pretend in a green screen environment. That's awesome. But also what I found interesting was Zimmerman's explanation that, you know, it requires a lot of conversation and pre-planning, right? Which we, we shouldn't mince words about it. Star Trek has start, the new Trek Discovery's first three seasons and even Picard has lacked organization and cohesion. I mean, you listen to interviews by actors and other articles dealing with behind the scenes that are not clickbait, but actual from people who were boots on the ground. 
perhaps this is an opportunity for production to just be more cohesive, be more streamlined. Maybe we'll get, maybe that'll reflect in the storytelling as well. Yeah, we've certainly heard the discussions around some of the early Discovery episodes, the first season being a, a, an absolute roller coaster in terms of losing showrunners, replacing showrunners, so forth. Early Discovery? Did you not read the article from Eagle Moss about that, uh, the the hero ship at the end of Picard and how no. that was built. You didn't share that with me. Yeah, so in the Eagle Moss release of the Zheng He, right, which is the big hero ship that Riker swoops in on at the end of season one of Picard, the story in that article is that they reached out in a very last minute rush. They reached out to John Eves. John Eves provided a couple of mock-ups that he already had. And then whoever was doing the visual effects did some modifications to try to make it look cool, right? So that's why the, the ship doesn't have a deflector. It's just this grill at the end of it, right? So these kinds of like last minute, oh my gosh, at visual effects changes, I'm hoping will change with the use of technology like this, right? Because now with this kind of technology, it's going to require that the writers talk to the visual effects team, that the director, cinematographer, that they all start to talk and plan ahead instead of showing up the day of filming and, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah, but planning ahead also got us scenes like in Discovery Season 3 where there was a fight in the Discovery's TARDIS. Um, so... You know, that there was planning that was involved in that. So I'm hoping that more cohesive planning and and work that goes into the visual effects. The the little addition, the little extra where uh, the New Mexico film office announced that they're using landscapes for the show's visual effects was really interesting to me. So that why go through and build entire digital landscapes when you can go to realistic landscapes like places in New Mexico, shoot that, and then incorporate that into your visual effects you don't need to build a realistic landscapes you, you can go and send crews out to shoot that and then add the sci-fi twists that go up on the on the 270 degree screen and i i think that's that's clever because you're saving yourself a lot of work there because we've all we've heard from the wonderful guys at star trek online about how much work goes into building backdrops and building those those enormous scenes and to make them look as realistic as possible why do that when you can just show uh go and shoot actual landscapes and give them a sci-fi twist that's that's clever and so i'm hoping that a lot more clever workflows and clever filmmaking comes in in season four of discovery and and in strange new world what do you think kat i was gonna say they did that in discovery because they used the landscapes from was it iceland for that frozen planet so they have been doing that in in these shows but it does make it look you know that much more realistic because that's a real place and you know you can add extra stuff and you know flying worms or whatever to make it sci-fi <laughs> so I mean, it, it all looks great, though. I mean, it looks because it looks authentic. Mm. I guess the difference between shooting in Iceland and Discovery and using New Mexico is that when they shot in Iceland, they went and shot on location, whereas in Strange New Worlds, they're working under a lot of COVID restrictions. So it makes sense to send a crew in a bubble to go out, shoot that for visual effects and bring that back mm. to the bubble uh, in the 270 degree screen. So that from a practical standpoint and from 
from a COVID practicality standpoint makes a bit more sense. Michael Burnham meets Bugs Bunny. Wait, is this a crossover episode? No. Sonequa Martin-Green plays LeBron James's wife in the Space Jam sequel, and right now Martin-Green is on the promo circuit talking about the animated adventure. But the good folks at Collider in Gizbodo couldn't help but ask some questions about Discovery Season 4 and what the future holds for Captain Burnham. According to Martin-Green, filming for Season 4 is almost complete with only a little bit left to shoot. She emphasized the importance of cementing her new position as captain, particularly the importance of having a black woman in the role. But she was tight-lipped about what's to come, telling Gizmodo it's going to be about finding out who she is as captain, as Michael Burnham. Quote, because there's always been this question of who I am in this moment. Who am I in this role? And now I'm going to have to answer those questions for myself as captain because everything is different now. And we've got a huge threat coming our way. End quote. Meanwhile, Doug Jones reflected on Captain Saru and his journey through season three of Discovery. Jones sat in the captain's chair for almost the entirety of season three, something Jones believes was a dream of the character, but not necessarily the actor. It meant a lot more time in the makeup chair. Quote, I was on more days on season three than ever before, but the honor and the gravity of it was not lost on me. That put me in a very small handful of actors who have played captains in Star Trek. And even a bigger honor that I was the first non-human alien creature to take a captaincy of a title ship. That was a really big deal for me, especially as a geeky boy who played a lot of rubber animals and creatures over these years. End quote. Jones goes on to talk about adding new cast members to the series, particularly his joy at working with Bill Irwin, who played Sukal, as each actor had been a fan of the other for quite some time. Season four of Discovery was filmed under COVID restrictions and thanks to a few stops and starts has taken an extra few months to film than previous seasons. However, Jones doesn't see the measures as restrictive. Quote, I think that's what Star Trek helps us realize, that the situation can be different if you perceive it differently. So you can look at it as restrictions or you can look at it as enablement. I'm going to look at this as it's enabling us to get the job done, to stay employed and to keep the production running, end quote. For the full interviews, track out our show notes. Well, we'll finally get to see LeVar Burton take his turn in the guest host role on Jeopardy next week. And many of his friends, including Brent Spiner and Gates McFadden, have continued lobbying efforts to get him to that full-time gig. McFadden told showbizjunkies.com, quote, I think he would be superb. I think he is born to do it. He's perfect, end quote. Spiner added, quote, I can't think of anyone more qualified than he is. LeVar has proven himself as a host, an educator, a personality, and this and that. He's a very smart guy with a really great personality, which I think is key for the job. He's got all of the qualities, end quote. You should definitely check out the full article for this story because it recaps both of McFadden and Spiner's careers. Plus, they tell us their favorite TNG director and they give us an update on their latest ventures. As we've previously reported on this very podcast, McFadden is currently hosting the podcast Gates McFadden Investigates, Who Do You Think You Are? While Spiner, who we'll see in a second season, season of Picard, has written a novel called Fan Fiction, a mem noir, inspired by true events. Also, don't forget to watch Jeopardy next week to see LeVar Burton. Oh man, I am so excited to watch that. Get those Nielsen ratings up. Everybody watch yes! it. Yes! Set your TiVos if you still got them. I know. I'm like, how do you watch it? Is it NBC? ABC. ABC. I, I genuinely don't know how to watch that. Watch it in Australia. And I'm fairly certain it's going to take some time for new episodes to come to Australia of Jeopardy. So... Uh-huh. 
I can wait and see. Surely that has like big distribution. I mean, you would think you'd get that. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is coming to Blu-ray with several special features, and StarTrek.com showcased one last week. Dedicated to Kenneth Mitchell, the featurette showcases Mitchell's various roles on these latest iterations of Trek, and of course, addresses his ALS diagnosis. It's an incredibly moving segment with commentary from his fellow actors and crewmates, so even if you don't get the Blu-ray, be sure to watch this. Oh man, I, thank you. I cried my eyes out it was so it was so touching and so moving and wow i mean everyone you know i did not realize that kenneth mitchell played four characters in discovery and that's amazing um and yeah now that they showed me which characters he was you're like oh i see that but what an amazing talent he has just the work that goes into acting and emoting when you are covered in plastic is amazing and the consideration that you can see in those little moments behind the scenes where he's he's gesturing and he's tilting his head and he's doing all of these things that we don't notice because it's all part of the performance you look you can lose yourself in that performance because he's so good the work and the effort and the con- thought and the consideration that goes into all of that it's wonderful it just shows how talented he is and that it makes sense to see how hard the Discovery team worked to get him into season three in a purpose-built wheelchair to have him on screen again because he's yeah it's so he's so much a part of that that team it's really wonderful so yeah thank you for sharing that this morning Elio and I also needed just just a minute or two because it it was rough you know, we've talked about how disorganized the production of New Trek seems to have been uh, throughout its course, but this is a moment that that we need to pay attention to, right? The fact that his diagnosis didn't stop them from rehiring him to continue to work, and then later, as you mentioned, and they mentioned in the video, constructing a device that would allow him to continue to act on screen, right? We saw him in season three of Discovery. Uh, he was the, the scientist that was helping uh, the Orion woman. Um, that's, it's not often that you see that kind of support and dedication from, from higher ups, you know, um, to this day. Yeah, you know, that was actually the nicest thing I heard anyone say about Kurtzman was right. in that featurette was to point out Kurtzman's loyalty and integrity and, right. you know, making sure that he had a job. Right, right. So mm-hmm. credit where credit is due. That's, a, that's a, you know, an excellent, that's a really good example of the definition of Star Trek, right? That it doesn't matter who you are or what might make you different, that you still have a place in this world, in this universe. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the you know honestly the one of the the, sh- the brightest examples of of Trek that I've seen from uh, from the production, which is incredibly honorable and admirable. And I'm glad that Kenneth Mitchell was able to solidify his place in the ethos of Star Trek with not just one, two, but four different roles. You know, I mean that's just that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking about you know the legacy he's leaving for his kids. For his uh, kids, yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. I'm crying my eyes out. I'm just like, wow, this is so good. Yeah. And the fact that the team worked to have him on screen in season three in a role that didn't require prosthetic so that he could, A, do it and do it well. 
and so they could yeah. see his face. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I need I needed a minute after that, so I, I highly recommend if you have some time to watch this featurette and have the have a box of tissues handy because yeah, it, there's some moments. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. Just earlier today, Star Trek Online released details on the third installment of the event campaign where players can participate in a series of campaigns to earn the grand prize, which is your choice of a lockbox or promotion. The Defense of Popo event starts on July 27th for PC and will run for three weeks before concluding, and then Xbox and PlayStation will be able to participate starting uh, probably in September, though they did not confirm an actual date. Once the campaign starts, players will be able to earn daily progress once every 20 hours by completing either Pavo Dissension, which is a ground TFO, or Peril over Pavo, the space TFO. Though a few minor adjustments have been made, such as every time you complete the TFOs, you will be rewarded a choice of all marks, which replaces the usual mark rewards. And then both TFOs have had their cooldown timers temporarily disabled. And then both TFOs have also been temporarily removed from random TFO eligibility. As we with previous events, players can still use their old event tokens to apply towards this event. For the specific event, once you earn a total of 14 days worth of daily progress, you can claim the following rewards. Console, Universal, Crystal, Prism, and it's an account-wide reward. Once earned, every character on your account will be able to claim this unique Universal console featuring a charge-driven design that allows for a rapid creation of multiple energy conductive prisms in space. This console is purposefully meant to emulate the popular kit module of the same name, allowing players to build networks of damage dealing crystal prisms in formations of their own choosing. Each prism that is placed in space will automatically attack nearby enemy starships, inflicting psychic damage upon their crews and tearing apart their hulls with telekinetic energy. The damage inflicted by each prism in a connected group is increased based on the number of other network prisms, allowing for an incredibly high ceiling on such a cluster's overall potential for rending into their foes. Other rewards include three times featured TFO reward boxes. So when you claim these, this is for a, your character that you claim it on. So a character-only reward uh, of those reward boxes, which give you a choice of a specialization point or an enhanced universal tech upgrade. And then 25,000 dilithium ore. Again, one character claim only. So the, I mean, you know, this is all kind of boilerplate, you know, periodic event, right? Like there's nothing mm -hmm. really big that they've changed here. Um, do they normally remove event TFOs from the random TFO eligibility? Is that a normal thing? They missed it on one and everyone was pretty unhappy about it. So yeah, they do normally remove them because so many people are playing them so often that's the only thing that comes up in random. So oh. they take it out of the okay. rotation so that you, you have to pick it, you know, to play it. Otherwise, everyone's just playing 
doing it all the time and you won't get anything got else. It, got it. Okay. And the fact right. that they, the, uh, the cooldowns have been disabled, if that they kept the random there, that that's all you would play. So I have, I have an idea I want to propose to you. Go on. I have an idea for a storyline in Star Trek that Star Trek Online could put together. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a reverse Marvel Cinematic Universe Loki time multi-dimensional time travel event. As Al retweeted back at me, Crisis on Infinite Treks. So, uh, like many of you, I'm sure, I finished Loki. I've actually rewatched the season. That's how much I enjoyed it, that I just rewatched it over the last couple of days. And, I mean, w- one of the reasons that I, I enjoyed it was how it handled multi-dimensional time travel, right? How almost simple it was able to explain its plot almost like an old TNG story and Trekno babble, you know, like it was accessible. I was like, you know what? I can get behind this. I don't know diddly squat about physics and quantum mechanics, but you know what? This makes sense. And, and then I got to thinking, all right, what if Star Trek applied this type of storytelling to itself? Now, in season three of Star Trek Discovery, we learn that time travel is forbidden post-temporal Cold War. But what if what if the results of the temporal cold war are that all the timelines remerged into one prime timeline we've been we've been calling tng and tos and blah, 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 prime timelines right but even that's like shaky and iffy but what if we got a, a you know story arc like the Iconians in Star Trek Online, where we are temporal agents, and our job is to bring in random nexus events that have happened in Star Trek mythos to then bring it back together into one prime timeline. What about the mirror? I'm like, but what about the mirror universe? That's a parallel universe, not a branch. Look, I didn't say I was a writer. I just said that this would be a good (laughs) idea, something interesting to explore. I leave that kind of. Oh, okay. I mean, but that could exist as a parallel universe. You could still converge the Kelvin and Prime, uh, I guess. Who's your bad guy? Who's the one pulling the strings and trying to disrupt the timeline? Well, so I was thinking to myself, all right, how would this translate? How would this translate into like existing Trek? And I would like, I wonder if Q, the Q continuum, do they exist independently in each multi-dimension, you know, time travel, right? Or can, is it just one Q for all? Like they they can, it's it's kind of like the nut monsters in, in Rick and Morty. Yeah, I would, my thought would be, would not that, but that the Q exists. Not that the Q, <laughs> there are multiple iterations of the Q. The Q simply exists. And they exist across all timeline. That there is an existence of the Q separate to Prime timeline, Kelvin timeline, and so on and so forth. Right. So it's one Q for for the for the infinite dimensions. Because hmm. that's why they're so powerful. Because they can exist across infinite dimensions. Because they're the Q. But I, you know, this could be interesting gameplay. I think that you know, Star Trek Online has always uh, demonstrated its incredible writing styles when it doesn't constrict its to whatever's happening on New Trek. When some of some of the best Star Trek online stories have been taking old obscure episodes and building upon it, right? Giving it life and breath and and filling in holes and and expanding on that story. So, you know what? For, st- let's stop rushing to get the new hotness from what's on screen into the game. Whatever, throw it in a lockbox, and if people want to pay for it, let them pay for it, and they get their 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 shiny television screen-accurate rifle, whatever. But maybe let's just tell a different story. Let's just, you know, let's, let's get back to storytelling. 
You could have a Q Civil War TFO, and it's a ground TFO. No, man, no TFOs. I want I want story. I know no that, TFOs. but you've got to have the TFOs to go along with it. Fine, then we get the TFO with it. But I, you know, I miss the Iconian days. I thought they were doing that though with the Klingon Civil War. That's an independent storyline. I mean, it did build on existing and new Trek, but there's plenty of other stuff out there that doesn't have to build on that. So, inspired by the Voyager episode, the Q and the Gray, you have a ground TFO that's set during the American Civil War, but you bring phases to a Q fight. <laughs> phases so, to a Q fight. There you go, Al. I'll take ten percent. I don't know. That was just an idea, something to help. You know. You know, think back on on those story days of Stowe, and you know uh, when events weren't just about TFOs, you know, and that we were getting missions, and the story was exploring aspects of Trek that had never been explored before. One of the things the Trek novels do. Wait, why did you just sigh at me like that, Cat? Because we're all listening to you. Oh! I wasn't sighing at you. I was sighing because there's so many opportunities for, you know, other stories. Even short, you know, like you go to visit the planet, you have a story mission you complete there, and then you can do the main storyline or whatever. I wish they had more independent, standalone things you could do in the game that didn't necessarily need a full arc. You know, it was just like, hey, you just did a mission with Quark. You know, like Quark's Lucky uh, 7. That's a great mission you know why can we have other stuff like that it doesn't have to be you know weeks and months in development if if there were a series of those explore other areas of the map go to different systems do something else meet new people (laughs) one of the fun things that the trek novels do is they take characters and save them resurrect them and there's a uh enterprise storyline which saves trip they beam him out at the last moment in the finale before he he dies nice and put him to work for section 31 i haven't read it yet it's on it's on my list but i think the person that you is you are interacting with in your temporal arc could be trip tucker because they've pulled him out of the timeline at that moment to help save the universe because only his engineering skills for whatever reason is the thing that will save the galaxy the universe the timeline why not why not and then you get connor trinia into star trek online another trek actor on the screen Uh, here's an idea for tfo it's the packlid tfo from lower decks and you have to fight off the packlids otherwise they pull apart (laughs) your ship crunch 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 yeah yeah all right fine but again that's just flashy like oh it's all it's the screen it's you know that's yeah as a tfo that's fine that's fine i just i i yeah that i I don't want to go too far i'm not dismissive it's a good it's a fun idea but i just don't want tfos i want a story that's why folks like me and josh in the chat want play star trek online is with a story yeah i'm like i think i would like more content i mean not that i'm complaining about the quality of the content and i know they put a lot of work into it but i would like an increased frequency in good work like that so maybe they could you know bump up the schedule or have more of it more frequently well that's the news from trek games this week now let's look up to the final frontier with an astrometrics report by dr robert hurt Space. Astronomy, quantum mechanics. It's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real. Education. Astrometrics. The final frontier. For this week's astrometrics report, we will stare into the heart of a swirling beam of energy generated by a supermassive black hole in a nearby galaxy. But first, 
I had to mention the good news that NASA's Hubble Space Telescope has been successfully resuscitated after a system failure back on June 13th. The issues arose due to a connection fault between its power control unit and payload computer. Finding a way to bypass the malfunctioning system was not trivial, while in Star Trek that usually takes about two strained metaphors and three minutes of typing, for NASA it required over four weeks of painstakingly careful labor, but fortunately no problematic metaphors. Hubble jumped back into its science program on July 17th and released some of its post-recovery data this week of some beautifully twisted galaxies. High fives all around. Of course, Hubble is only one of a fleet of critical telescopes that operate both in space and on the ground, and this week we got to see a very different view into the heart of a nearby galaxy, one only possible with a planetary-scale telescope array. I speak of the Event Horizon Telescope, or EHT for short, an international collaboration that combines the power of many radio telescopes scattered across the planet. By synchronizing their data collection, they can create some of the highest resolution images ever made of the universe. You probably have already seen the historic image of the black hole at the heart of the M87 galaxy, or at least the materials swirling around its solar system scale event horizon. This week, the collaboration has released a new radio image of the center of another galaxy, Centaurus A. This time, the focus is not on the black hole, but the incredible jets of high-energy particles that are being flung away at nearly the speed of light from the region around the black hole. We've known about the powerful jets emanating from the hearts of some galaxies for decades, and in fact, these jets provided some of the early evidence that supermassive black holes lie at the centers of galaxies. As material collects into a disk around the black hole, it rotates really quickly and gets heated to incredible temperatures. We expect that much of this material flows into the black hole over time, adding to its mass, but some of these hot electrons and protons get swept up along spiraling magnetic fields and get ejected from the disk before reaching the black hole. Think of these like beads on a string. As you whip the string back and forth, the beads can accelerate and pop off the end, moving at high velocities. The exact mechanisms behind these high-energy, near-light-speed jets of accelerated plasma are not well understood. That is in part due to the fact that we have never been able to see these jets up close in enough detail to unravel their structure. That is, until now. The new EHT image unveils the structure of this jet all the way down to its base, revealing a tube-like shape that lights up brightest along the outer edges. It shows details down to scales of a few light hours across, essentially resolving features as small as our solar system, but from a distance of over 10 million light years away. The black hole at the base of this jet is about 55 million times as massive as our sun, which makes it a bit smaller than the one imaged in M87, which was a few billion times the sun's mass, but still much larger than the one at the heart of our own Milky Way, which is only a few million solar masses. Make sure to check out the groundbreaking image of the Centaurus A jet. But even better, I wanted to let you know about a fun chance to try your hand at making your own astronomical image by participating in NASA's Astrophoto Challenges. The Summer 2021 event will be running through August 16th, and the subject is the M87 galaxy. You can pick between real datasets from telescopes in space and on the ground, or even have a robotic observatory take a picture just for you. Full disclosure, I am part of the team that develops these challenges, so I'd be thankful if you'd check it out. Just Google NASA's Astrophoto Challenges or look for our Ask the Astronomers Live episode about it on YouTube. Links will be in the show notes. That wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. 
Well, that wraps up episode 517 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bush. Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content that we produce each and every week. Find out how you can support this show by visiting Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sim, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Alex, and Lennon. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. So it's so weird for me to say. I'm gonna hit the big red button in three, two, because now Riverside does the countdown. Some things are in my DNA now. Some things are just like ingrained. <laughs> All right. So intro in three, two. Later, Doctor Robert Hurt shares the important. 
She emphasized the importance of cementing her new position as captain, particularly, damn it, words being hard to say. She emphasized the importance of cementing her new position. Dang it. More gin. More gin. I know. I'm going to have yes, to get it. Wait, can, can we get a refill <clears throat> on that table over there? Thank you. Seriously. And we've got a huge threat coming our way. End quote. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Sorry, couldn't help it. <laughs> Wonder Twins, activate. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is coming to Blu-ray with several special... Spe- Ay, Dios mío, pero estoy que... Special features. My Spanish came through there a little bit. My accent. Keep it going, Star man. Trek- I love it. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is coming to Blu-ray with... with <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's wrong with me? Several special with features. several special features on Fourth Times a Charm. <laughs> Drink. You need a drink, man. Waiter, can we get another refill over here, but this time at Elio's table? Thank you. You want some more? This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.